Hello, welcome to Peculiar. My name is Jake Norton, and this is the podcast where we talk about the fact that church people are weird. Reason why? It's not talking about weird in 1 Peter 2.9 when it says peculiar. It doesn't mean peculiar in our modern sense of the word. It means special, chosen by God, set apart for a purpose. But living separate and set apart for a purpose makes you weird in our modern context because you're not like everyone else. And we're living like someone who lived 2,000 years ago, and he wasn't even like the people of his day. Of course, I'm talking about Jesus. We have been going through Jesus' most famous message, sermon of his day, known as the Sermon on the Mount. It is found in the book of St. Matthew, Gospel of Matthew, depending on your translation, it may be called Different Things. So, how is it, and uh, if you are wondering how that sermon went in its day and age, well, you can check it out uh, in those chapters, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, and listen to our previous episodes where we have broke it down and talked about some of its meaning, deeper elements, what have you over the course of the past few weeks. But today, uh, when we last left the Sermon on the Mount, we had just talked about Jesus saying, your righteousness must exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees. The most pious, self-righteous people of the day And they were not just self-righteous. They genuinely did try to do the righteous things. They tried to live the letter of the law to its absolute highest standard. To the point of giving based on even the stuff in their little herb gardens. Making sure that it was to the T exactly as the standard said to be. Which is complicated. So... How is our standards ever supposed to live up to that if we have to exceed the righteousness of the most righteous people? That's their thinking in this moment. Jesus is about to clarify exactly what he means. And it doesn't make it any easier, by the way. Does not simplify things. Does not make it any easier. Let's let's just pick up and hear what Jesus has to say. Uh, We're not going to cover all of this today, most likely, unless I'm able to just cover this a lot quicker than I think I'm going to be able to. But we're going to try and tackle this about a section at a time and see what happens. For I say to you, except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, ye shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. That's Matthew chapter 5, verse number 20. Picking up with verse 21. Ye have heard it said by them of old time, thou shalt not kill. Good standard. Pretty much every country in the world makes killing illegal. 
Well, sort of. Self-defense is a thing. And, um, here's a can of worms. Abortion is a thing. And, um, you know, what if, what, what if, uh, they had wronged someone else? And what if they've broken some religious standard? Or what if, what if, what if? There's a lot of caveats and stuff like that. You can find a lot of people who say, oh, he was justified because of this or this. But as a general rule, most people think killing is wrong. Wait, Jesus just said we have to raise our standards. So what's he going to say? Let's find out. Ye have heard it said by them of old time, Thou shalt not kill. Whosoever shall be killed, whosoever shall kill, shall be in danger of the judgment. But I say to you, Whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment, and whosoever shall say to his brother Raka shall be in danger of the council, whosoever shall say thou fool shall be in danger of hell fire. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and then remember that thy brother has aught against thee, leave there your gift before the altar, go your way, first be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Agree with your adversary quickly, while you are in the way with him, lest at any time the adversary deliver thee to the judge, and the judge deliver thee to the officer, and thou be cast into prison. Verily I say to thee, Thou shalt by no means come out thence until you have paid the uttermost farthing. So there's the first tackle on the block. Don't kill. By the way, God's definition in God's eyes, what is killing? He said, if you've already thought it through to the point where you wish you could do it if it's deep within your heart that i hate this guy's guts if you're angry without a cause most of the time if you're angry without a cause the real reason why is because you hate somebody's guts if you're angry without a cause being racist fits in there if you're angry without a cause, knowing what someone's family did in the past could cause that. Angry without a cause is kind of a strange statement. Because now there, there's the thing where people have transference of anger. They're angry because this person reminds them of someone else that they've not forgiven. Angry without a cause. All of these things, angry, holds the same status. Unmerited anger holds the same status in the eyes of God as murder, which we all agreed just moments ago 
is a sin. And whosoever does this is in danger of judgment. And by judgment, we don't mean here and now. We mean God's judgment. Uh, there's another spot in the Bible. He says, don't be afraid of people on this planet who can... Don't be afraid of the people on this planet and what they can judge you. Be afraid of he who can destroy soul and body in hell. He's talking about hell. If you are mocking people, Raka, full, danger of hellfire, those people mocking people, teasing people, all those things, that's God's standard. Humiliating people, mocking people, all those things that he said, in this world you will have trouble through the mocking, through the persecution. If you become the cause of the thing that other that he said other people would do, you're in danger of hellfire and judgment. See, he has elevated his things. And he says, before you try to make an offering to God, before you try to worship, before you try to ask God for forgiveness, he said, I am not going to tackle this until you tackle your personal issues that you have with someone else. So if you've got something inside of you against someone else, you need to get that sorted out before you come to God. It's a very serious issue. He's taking this very seriously. If you bring your gift to the altar, and you remember he has something against you, you need to first get things right with the other people in the world. See, he's elevated the standard. The standard of... Basically, here's what you need to realize. Here's what he's putting forth. This is what he's really saying. What Jesus is saying is, hey, you know what? If you don't cross the line of anger without a cause, hatred, and foolish mockery, all those things, you are not going to have an issue with actually killing someone because the crime of murder starts here inside of us it all formulates here in the brain and the heart before it ever gets to a knife a club a gun in someone's hand before that ever happens festering anger happens so if we can stop the festering anger by working stuff out with somebody, murder won't be an issue. I don't mean leave the festering anger inside of you and never express it. I mean, get it worked out. <laughs> That's what he says. If you come to the altar and you think somebody's got an issue with you, 
go get it worked out. The altar will be waiting when you get back. So he continues. After this high standard, to deliver another high standard. This one, Dilling, instead of... This is why he says, agree with your adversary quickly. Before I get to the next thing. Agree with your adversary quickly. So, you've got an enemy. Try and minimize your issues with your enemy. Talk them out with him. Agree with him. Get to an agreement. Because otherwise, you're going to be dealing with issues. You're going to pay a large price. He, he says, look, your enemy is going to do something to get you thrown in jail or something. And you're not going to get out of that issue with your enemy without paying a high price. Unless, agree with him quickly. Get stuff worked out. That's the whole message here with this anger thing. Uh, next, he says, you have heard it said so we're moving on from murder to another big issue another huge human impulse you've heard it said by them of old time thou shalt not commit adultery that's a heavy one i think we can once again agree uh at least based on all the facebook memes and stuff that i've seen people don't like cheaters they don't. It's not a good thing. People get mad over that. Actually, if you commit adultery, a lot of times, it will lead to the anger, the issues between brother and sister in Christ. It leads to that. People get mad. Oftentimes, adultery can lead to murder. Actually, there's a famous Bible story where it did. <laughs> so, yeah, it uh, sounds about right. Don't commit adultery. Good standard. And then Jesus said, now let's raise the standard. But I say to you, whosoever looks on a woman to lust after her, and by the way, this is not gender specific, it's just... Uh, Jesus is using on a woman as an example. Um, Whosoever looks on a woman to lust after her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If thy right eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee. It is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, not that your whole body would be cast into hell. If your right hand offend thee, cut it off, cast it from thee. It is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. Okay, once again, kind of heavy. And let me say, because I know there's people out there who try to be very literal. We are not saying literally get a knife and pluck your eyeball out of your head. No. We're not saying get a saw and cut your hand off. No. We're not talking amputation here. We're talking something a little bit different. He's saying, look, 
adultery won't happen if lust doesn't happen. Put the guardrail closer and that'll keep you from the big thing. If you don't let the little thing happen, the big thing won't happen. He said, however, you're going to realize you're going to get in situations where it's going to be easy for that to happen. It's really hard to control what your brain does. It's hard. It's hard to keep yourself from noticing the handsome, delicious man or the beautiful, drop-dead, gorgeous woman. It's hard to not notice that sometimes. But if you pluck your eyeball out, you won't notice, most likely. If you cut your hand off, it's going to be hard to go to the place, be in the area, do the thing that led to that in time past. So let me put this in something a little bit easier to understand language. If you have issues whenever you have your phone on hand, going to the Instagrams, or let's make it a little more uh, outright and clear here, the porn hubs or whatever your thing of choice might be for the lusting to happen uh, cut it off remove the thing that causes the access if you've got such an addiction that you can't have an Instagram account without going and finding all the most pretty beautiful issue causing people if you can't seem to follow the fitness pages without lusting after them don't follow the fitness pages don't follow the models don't follow those things don't search them out don't troll those hashtags that lead to their cut it off delete the instagram account don't if, if you just can't seem to get on the internet without clicking on the porn site I know people personally who have said I uh, they removed their internet browser from their phone so that they couldn't do it if they want to google something they've got to go to something that someone has or someone else will see their search history and they are kept accountable cut it off whatever he said it is more important for you that you make it to heaven than it is for you to have a fully functional iPhone or Android or whatever social life you think you're supposed to have it is more important for you to make it to heaven than to have a thriving social media account. It's more important. And accountability is great. It's wonderful. Uh, and it's necessary. All these things are incredibly important. 
because it's more important to make it to heaven than it is to be unhindered in anything you want to do. Cut off the lust however you can do it. It is more important to make it to heaven to not go to hell than it is to have a perfectly fully functioning social life. Cut off the places that you go whether digitally or physically. If you know I can't go to that restaurant without staring at people. I can't go to such place, such thing, such etc. Uh, and by the way, um, just so you don't... Uh, you realize, by the way, whosoever looks on a woman to lust after her has already committed adultery in his heart. The standard also applies if neither of you are married. Because God also said, flee fornication, which means any sexual act outside of marriage. It's, I, I think the rule still applies. If you are a single individual and you are looking at pornography or whatever else to lust after them, that's a sin too. He's raising the standard. He expands on this by saying, It has been said, Whosoever shall put away his wife, let him give her a writing of divorcement. But I say to you, that whosoever shall put away his wife, saving for the cause of fornication, causeth her to commit adultery. And whosoever shall marry her that is divorced, committeth adultery. That's a heavy one, you know? Them two verses right there, that's big. Oh, it's okay. They're divorced now. We can be together. That's a heavy one, y'all. You need to be sure of some stuff. Make sure you do some things. And I am not a pastor. That's a hard one to tackle. Uh, I there are there there's some excellent stuff out there that teaches on this. I recommend that you find a pastor to talk to you about this. Uh, but Jesus put it pretty straightforward here and said, "I don't recommend a divorce unless there is some sexual sin involved on the part of the other person." And even then, he's still saying, "No." bad idea it's better to work things out than it is to be divorced uh, but once again um, heard podcasts recently on this topic um, and they went way more in depth it's a long one and it covers this pretty well and explains some things in some good ways because it's a hard topic to discuss. Um, and there are some people who's definitely dealt with some stuff on this uh, that are a lot smarter than me. I'm not an expert, but I'm just saying. This is what Jesus said. Uh, he said, The value made before God is cheated on when you cheat on that vow. Uh, when you 
when you break something that God meant to be permanent. That is adultery in the eyes of God. Alright, I think we got time for breaking down one more thing here. And uh, Jesus has a couple more of these standard raisings he's going to do. So probably next week I will be covering the rest of them. But I think I have time to cover one more standard raising that Jesus did. Ye have heard it's been said by them of old time. Thou shalt not forswear thyself, but shall perform unto the Lord thine oaths. But I say, swear not at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, neither by the earth, for it is his footstool, neither by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king, neither shalt thou swear by thy head, because thou canst not make one hair white or black. But let your communication be yea, yea, nay, nay, for whatsoever is more than these cometh of evil. Okay. It's, this is kind of an interesting one. There's a later spot in the Bible where he says, where um, we are told, don't say tomorrow I will do this or that. Say if the Lord wills it, we will do this or that tomorrow. Because we don't know the future. It is better to just say, I'll do that and be honest, than to say, oh, I swear on my life, I will do that. Don't make a binding commitment that you may not be able to fulfill. Just say, just if you say you're going to do it, do it. If you say you're not going to do it, don't do it. In time past, people of the day would say, oh, you don't need to swear by God or swear by the temple. You just don't do it. Just be honest. That's what the real thing you're hearing here is. Hey, just be honest. Just be true. Just be absolutely, authentically what God has meant to happen. And you'll have life be a whole lot easier. Just be straightforward and honest. And then you won't have to worry about what happens if you break a vow that you made using the name of God. Okay, so yeah, that, that's kind of straightforward and kind of just straight put out there. There are a couple more of these, but I'm needing to get off of here. I'm needing to stop this recording and move on. Uh, next week we're going to finish up Jesus' standard raising and maybe even include a little bit more than that. Uh, but thank you all for listening. Uh, it's It's been good. It's been great. And I'm really enjoying this. So see you guys again next week. Goodbye.